Thank you, Jesus, that only you can steal. My soul is thirsty, Lord. Lord, once again, I say thank you this morning. Thank you for a brand new day. Thank you, Lord, because I know that there is a tempest that only you can steal. There is a longing that only you can feel. There is something that only you can do. The Bible says that when you close a door, no one can open them. And there are doors that only you can open. Uh, The Bible says that you are not a man that you lie. You do not repent. When you declare a thing, we can hold on to it. And so, Father, this morning, I appreciate you for your faithfulness. I appreciate you for your loving kindness, for your tender mercies. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, because we can trust in you. We can put our hope in you because you will never fail. Receive all the glory. Receive all our praises this morning for your loving kindness, for your goodness that is new this morning. We say receive all our praises in the mighty name of Jesus. Once again, Lord, we are here in your presence and we have come to listen to you. We have come to learn We are asking this morning that you will speak to us. We are asking, Lord, that as we read the word of God, Lord, help us learn today. Help someone's heart come come alive and imbibe your word. But let your name alone be glorified. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone listening from wherever you are. I would like to say a great good welcome this morning. I am Murphy Aye Nike sharing devotion with you. We dive straight back into our reading of the book of First Samuel. Remember, okay, we stopped yesterday on Samuel chapter 8. Today we take Samuel chapter 9 and 10. Samuel chapter, chapter chapters 9 and 10 gives us the account of how Saul was selected to become king over Israel. Okay, so we'll see the lessons that we can learn from how he was chosen and some of the things that happened around around him so a little uh, background to his story remember that um for those of us who have read the bible Saul is from the tribe of benjamin the last thing we read about the tribe of benjamin especially the men of gibeah and i'm sure you remember that story was how one tribe was literally wiped wiped out you know, from the nation of Israel, and how they were very, very few. Okay, so from such a tribe that was not like a tribe that was very few, 
okay god goes to choose a king for himself and i'm telling you um quite profound lessons for me in choosing someone to lead god is not necessarily looking for strength is not looking for some for is not looking for the strongest but it sometimes it looks to the humble it looks to the smallest sometimes to confound the wise okay and to prove uh, to prove its wisdom so i'm telling you um this account will be a huge blessing to us let's go first samuel chapter 9 from verse 1 says that there was a wealthy influential man named kish from the tribe of benjamin he was the son of abiel son of zero son of becorath son of afia of the tribe of benjamin his son saul was the most handsome man in israel head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land <laughs> so why quite a huge profile but you want to be careful here that all of Paul's Saul's profile excuse me basically focused on um, his outward qualities and that's for me uh, a profound lesson again um, the focus on uh, the family lineage he has come from quite elaborate about the lineage he had come from from the fact that his father was was a very very rich and influential man and then his height okay his height and the fact that he was very handsome <laughs> uh, so uh, note these qualities okay it wasn't anything about his character it was it had nothing to do about his even his competence like i said the tribe of benjamin would not have been a place you would go look for a king maybe from the tribe of judah but surely not benjamin verse 3 says that one day kish donkeys strayed away and he told saul take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys so saul took one of the servants and traveled through the hill country of ephraim the land of shalisha the the shalim area and the entire land of benjamin but they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. Finally, uh, they entered the region of Zof, and Saul said to his servant, Let's go home. By, na- by now, my father will be more worried about us than the donkeys. But the servant said, I've thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true let's go find him perhaps he can tell us which way to go so the truth is uh, this is very strange um that saul does not know who samuel is uh must mean that he has been living under a rock for a long time Remember that at this time, Samuel was already a hold man. Okay, the people had come to him. They already told him, you are a hold man. We saw that in the last chapter, right? You are a old man. Your, your sons can't take over because um, they lack character. Um, okay, so give us a king. So 
Samuel had been leading for such a long time, okay, and from when he was a boy, the Bible says the whole of Israel knew him. Okay, they knew that the words he said come to pass. They knew that God has anointed him prophet, you know, over the over the nation. Okay, so how Saul does not know who he is is quite strange. Okay. But like they say, I'm, I'm telling you, you would always see in the Bible, divine providence. So thank God for this servant who was the one that links him, you know, to, to Samuel. Verse 7 says, but we don't have anything to offer him. Saul replied, even our food is gone and we don't have a thing to give to give him. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece we can at least offer it to the man of god and see what happens in those days if people wanted a message from god they would say let's go ask the seer for prophets are used to be called seers all right so uh, saul agreed let's try it so they started into the town where the man of god lived as they were climbing the hill to the town, verse 11, they met some young women coming out to draw water. So Saul and his servant asked, Is the seer here today? Yes, they replied, Stay right on this road. He is at the town's gate. He has just arrived to take part in a public sacrifice up at the place of worship. Hurry and catch him before he goes up there to eat the guests won't begin eating until he arrives to bless the food so they entered the town and as they passed uh, through the gates samuel was coming out towards them uh, towards them to go up to the place of worship now the lord had told samuel the previous day about this time tomorrow i will send you a man from the tribe of Benjamin, anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. So you will see that one of the things that Samuel has been able to do as a judge was, was to provoke Okay, a true revival in the land. Remember what I said said yesterday. When there is a true revival in the heart, there will be a revival in the land in the land physically. So yes, Samuel has had achieved this at this time because God said, "For I have looked down on my people in mercy and I have heard their cry." So wonderful. Verse 17 says that when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, That's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. He will rule my people. Just then, Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, Can you please tell me where the seer's house is? So if I was Samuel, I would just start laughing. (laughs) And it's also very, very strange, really. Saul was a very young man at this time, okay? So I'm sure maybe in his 20s, probably, probably, uh, Samuel, a very old man at this time. And it's quite strange that it is the old man that Saul goes to to ask 
can you tell me where the seer's house is again i say divine providence verse 19 says i am the seer so samuel replied go up to the place of worship ahead of me we will eat there together and in the morning i will tell you what you want to know and send you on your send you on your way and don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago for they have been found and i'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all israel's hope so i don't know about you if i was saul of course at this point i'm sure saul was already confused samuel just told him that don't worry about the donkeys but it told it to, tells him again that i will tell you what you want to know and send you on your way and that's confusing right what i want to know is where are the donkeys you are already telling me where you've already told me that the donkeys have been found so really saul should be on his way but of course saul was curious at what samuel what else samuel had to tell him so i noticed one thing here in the way god chooses some uh, saul okay in not focusing on his um on his character and his inner qualities and instead on his outward qualities okay you would notice that um god again and again will be trying to to reassure him or give him signs to let him know that he is with with Saul. So he says, you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hope. Saul replied, but I am only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? So yes, we know what led to Benjamin becoming the smallest tribe in Israel. It's not because Benjamin is the last born. In fact, if you look at the numbers, even when they were coming to Egypt, Benjamin was the largest. When they were leaving Egypt, Benjamin was literally the largest. And they continued to, you know, to populate like that and were very large until what happened with the men of Gibeah that we read okay uh, right there okay in the book of judges so let's go let's continue verse 22 says then then samuel brought saul and his servant into the hall and placed them at the head of the gate honoring them above the 30 special guests samuel then instructed the, the cook to bring saul the finest cut of meat the piece that had been set aside for the guests of honor so, so the cook brought in the meat and placed it before saul go ahead and and eat it uh, samuel said I was I was saving it for you even before I invited these others. So saw so it with Samuel that day. When they came down from the place of worship and returned to town, Samuel took Saul up to the roof of the house and prepared a bed for him there. At daybreak the next morning, Samuel called to Saul. Okay, so before I we read what Samuel said to Saul, you would have noticed that okay samuel was intentionally serving saul was doing things so okay apart from the fact that he was about to tell him that you are going to become king okay but um samuel was also demonstrating service or a servant 
a servant's heart to Saul. And I think this is very, very important. Even though a king was supposed to rule over his people, even though a prophet should have been the one, okay, that was to be served, okay, uh, Saul was not yet king at this time, okay, everyone was supposed to serve Samuel, but Samuel was teaching Saul something very, very important, the kind of a heart, the kind of heart a king should have, and that is a heart of service, the heart to be willing to serve his people, and I'm telling you, this is one thing that Saul will not get and will be the one thing that will make God to reject him at the end. So at daybreak, at the next morning, Samuel called to Saul, Get up, it's time you were on your way. So Saul got got ready, and he and Samuel left the house together. Uh, when they reached the edge of town, Samuel told Saul to send his servant on ahead. After the servant was gone, Samuel said, Stay here, for I have received a special message for you from God. So the only one that hears this message is Saul himself. The servant didn't hear that. So we flick to chapter 10. Let's take this one quickly. It says, Then Samuel took a flax of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel. Is special possession okay uh, so why it's, it's appointed here a lot of versions used anointed but notice God specially tells Saul okay uh, God specially tells Saul here through the prophet Samuel that Israel was his special possession and if something was being given to you as you know that was special then you were supposed to take care of it and treat it well. Verse 2 says that when you leave me today, you will see two men beside Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will tell you that the donkeys have been found and that your father has stopped worrying about them and is now worried about you. He is asking, have you seen my son? When you get to the Oak of Tabor, you will see three men coming towards you who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. One will be bringing, one will be bringing three young goats. Another will have three loaves of bread. And the third will be carrying a wineskin full of wine. They will greet you and offer you two of the loaves uh, which you are to accept. When you arrive at Gibeah, at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistine is located, uh, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will, they will be playing a harp, a tambourine, and a flute. A, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. It says you will be changed into a different person. Okay? It says after these signs take place, do what must be done for God is with you. So for me, I there is a strange reason here why God chooses to give um, Saul what we called word of knowledge. Okay? Sorry, word of wisdom. Word of wisdom are usually, uh, you know, um, 
clear words from God that gives you um, instruction on something that has not yet happened, tells you about something that has not yet happened, and then, okay, you just go experience them, and um, they are exactly as God says they should be. So, uh, before Saul even leaves Samuel, Samuel tells him that, look, this is what you are going to encounter. In fact, gives him three instances what was going to happen. So if you were Saul, okay, you were on your way. The first one happened. The second one happened exactly as the prophet said. The third one happened. In fact, in the third one, you were actually to participate and they were supposed to bless you as if you were a prophet yourself. Okay, so all of these were just to provoke Saul's confidence in his call. And I'm telling you, uh, they are signs already telling us uh, the kind of person that God knows that Saul is. Okay? It says, after these signs take place, do what you must do, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice bond offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. So, <laughs> this verse is such an important verse. Wait for me, Samuel says to Saul. And I'm telling you, uh, this same test was is what Saul will face, will fail, will fail and lead to the end of his you know of his kinship to be the same test he will face and fail and that will be the end of him ruling and leading israel but i'm thinking god was prepping him god was testing him god was trying to let him know i am with you all the way but somehow Saul's heart never just connected to god verse 9 says as saul turned and started to leave god gave him a new heart and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. God gave him a new heart. God gave Saul a new heart. Okay? So, and, and that should have changed Saul totally. Verse 10 says, When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, this name, Gibeah, remember the men of Gibeah? Yes, when they arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. So obviously, it meant the two, the other two things had already happened. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, can anyone become a prophet, no matter who his father is? So, so that is the origin of the saying, is even Saul a prophet? When Saul had finished prophesying, he went up to the place of worship. Where have you been? Saul's uncle asked him and his servant. We were looking for the donkeys, Saul replied. But we couldn't find them, so we went to Samuel to ask him where they were. Oh! What did he say? His uncle asked. He told us that the donkeys have already been found, Saul replied. But Saul didn't tell his uncle about tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingdom. So again, these already are at the beginning signs of the intrigues 
of the kind of family okay that Saul was from I don't know about you if I was his uncle the first person I'm going to point him to is to tell him ah your father has been looking for you oh yeah run to your father now instead he was trying to find out where have you been okay what and now that he had that they they, they went to Samuel what did he tell you quite strange but that tells you also the kind of family that Saul was from let's finish this one verse 17 says later Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah and he said that this is what the Lord the God of Israel has declared I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all of the nations that were oppressing you but though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. Uh, you, we want a king instead. Now, therefore, present yourself before the Lord by tribes and clans. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the, and the family of, of the Matrites was chosen. And, fin and finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. <laughs> so they asked the Lord, where is he? <laughs> so yes, uh, this again gives us the beginning of the kind of uh, person Paul, Saul was on the inside. Okay? He had disappeared. Not disappeared as in um, as if he had one spiritual power that could make him disappear. No. He ran. He went to hide. Okay? Uh, he went to hide. He was timid. He was shy. Okay, and you will ask yourself, so why did God choose this kind of person to lead his people? Okay, so they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. So he was like the tallest. <laughs> so you will understand when they will go and fight Goliath now. And Goliath is like the tallest. Uh, shouldn't the tallest man in Israel have come out to fight Goliath? Okay, but that, that won't be the case. That won't be the case. You know, at that point, he would then say, ah, the strongest should come and fight too. <laughs> so verse 24 says, Then Samuel said to all the people, This is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. <laughs> I'm sure they would have just continued ch chanting that, Long live the king. Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people what the rights and duties of a king were. He wrote them down on a scroll and placed it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent the people home again. When Saul returned to his home at Gibeah, a group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. So yes, um, the men of Gibeah usually band together easily. Remember, it was just one of them that offended last time. And they were ready to fight you know, against the entire nation because of the actions of just a few men. So yes, uh, but these ones were people's hearts that God had touched. So one of the lessons I learned from here is that when God gives you a vision, God will also give you people to go with you. If the vision is from God, God will make provision 
provision in terms of people and then of course uh, provision in terms of material things you need to fulfill that vision verse 27 says but there were were some scoundrels who complained how can this man save us and they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts but Saul ignored them Nahash king of the Ammonites had been grievously oppressing the people of Gad and Reuben who lived east of the Jordan River. He gouged out the right eye of each of the Israelites living there and he didn't allow anyone to come and rescue them. In fact, of all the Israelites east of the Jordan, there wasn't a single one whose right eye Nahash had not gouged out. But there were 7,000 men who had escaped from the Ammonites and they had settled in Jabesh Gilead. Wonderful. All right. So, quite an astounding read. And in my opinion, so many lessons uh, to take uh, from here. So, we begin to see the beginning signs of the kind of person okay, that Saul is. And I'm telling you, eventually you will see him fail. But uh, the things that led to his failure are revealed in the two chapters that we just read. In other words, the things that make men fail, okay, actually grew up with them. So my, my pastor usually will warn that you will never be able, you will never be able to rise above the level of your character. Yes. Okay, so, um, and my pastor will also say that fail when you are still small, so that when you are then popular and you are big, your failure is not obvious to, to too many. And so the time to work hard is now. And that was what Samuel was trying to do for Saul, was trying to change his heart, trying to give him a different perspective, you know, to leading, to being, uh, to being a ruler. It was that he was supposed to serve serve people. I'm not sure that Saul even paid any attention. I want us to pray uh, because that is the lesson we take from here. Okay, if God has given you a vision, if you are going somewhere tomorrow, uh, your work should start from today. So pray, Lord, help me prepare for the future. Help me prepare for to fulfill the vision, the work that you have given me. Maybe you are a father, you are a mother, or you hope to be one in the future, time to prepare is now. And if you're already a father, okay, you know already you have such a great work ahead of you. So will you pray, Lord, help me. Help me to be a servant leader. Help me to lead well in my family as a father, as a mother. Help me lead well in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you this morning. Lord, thank you for everyone that has listened this morning. Lord, thank you because I know that there is a plan in your heart for each one. So I ask, Lord, that you will help us this morning. Help us to be examples. Help us to be role models. Oh God, to everyone you have you have called us to in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for them today that they will fulfill destinies. Each one will return with a testimony. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.